Welcome to episode number 17 of Not Another Fucking Podcast. In today's episode, I am going to be breaking it down. Breaking it down to Barney, honey. Depression, anxiety, isolation, how shame and worry and all of the sneaky things that we think of when we are alone in our heads, how those things play a major role in keeping us depressed and anxious. I cannot wait to talk to you about this. This has been a conversation that has been long coming. Um, So grab a seat, grab your coffee, your water, whatever it is that you are sipping on, and let's have a chat. Okay, let's dive into this conversation. When When I was talking to you on Instagram and really getting to know you and some of the things that you are going through at this moment... The thing about depression and anxiety kept coming up. When I'm sitting with my clients and we are meeting and we are talking about some of their underlying trauma, um, depression just has slowly snuck into their lives one way or another. And it was my job for the longest time as a school counselor to break down what this meant to my littles, to my five-year-olds, my six-year-olds, my seven-year-olds. And I worked really hard to get them to understand what it meant. And I realized I had this breakthrough moment where I realized that most of us adults don't exactly know what it means. We go to a therapist, we go to a psychologist, we work on the things that we're supposed to work on, right? We don't feel well, we're not eating, we're not sleeping, so we go to a professional. And even then, I noticed so many of us were confused about how to actually fix it. We were confused about what it actually meant inside of our bodies. We were so focused on the symptoms. And this is where I decided to break it down, explain it the way I used to explain it as much as I possibly could could, to you the way I did to my littles. And here we are. Here we are. So what we're going to start with is depression. What does depression actually mean? Okay, so when I look up depression in the Oxford Dictionary, the meaning for depression is feelings of severe despondency and dejection. Oh my gosh, I don't even, I don't blame you for not understanding. I don't understand this. Self-doubt creeps in and that swiftly turns into depression. Okay, broad, right? You know me, I'm super transparent, so I got to break this down. According to the psychiatry meaning, a mental health condition characterized by feelings of severe despondency and dejection. See, now I'm over here wanting to Google despondency. Like, what is despondency? Typically also with feelings of inadequacy, guilt, often accompanied by lack of energy and disturbance of appetite and sleep. She was referred by a psychiatrist treating for a depression. Okay, let's break this down. Let's break this down. Depression. Some of the symptoms are, without me looking at anything and just off the top of my head, here here are some of the symptoms. We're not eating the way we used to. Or we are eating to overcompensate. We're, We're emotional eaters. That can be depression. We're sleeping too much. We're laying in bed too long. We're feeling tired a lot. That's another major player. Also, the things that you used to do The things that made you happy, if going to the park, if going for a run, if hanging out with friends were the things that lit you up, 
and now they have stopped, something is going on. If you used to enjoy something so much and now you do not have the energy to even think about going there, we need to look at that. That is something that needs to be looked at. And a lot of the times, even just now as I was reading the meaning of that, it can be so self-deprecating. It can make us feel so much worse because now I'm confused and I'm depressed and I still don't feel any better. I'm saying this with a little bit of humor because it's it's like a catch-22. We know we need help, but at the same time, it's like, who's going to break this down for me? I really need you to understand. I'm going to preface this conversation with, there is nothing wrong with you. Please listen to that again. If you are feeling depressed, if something is just not right, there is nothing wrong with you. You are a human. You are feeling these human emotions. Somewhere along your life, the human emotions took over a little more than they should have, but you're still a good person. You're still okay. You are not broken. We just need to look at other ways to get you out of that depression, to get you out of those feelings. One thing that I would do, and you know that I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. Me as a life coach, one thing that I would do is to get curious. What is it that I'm thinking about in my head when I'm in those moments of laying here in complete and total isolation? What is it that I am thinking right now? Are the thoughts that are running through my head surrounding feelings of not good enough? Am I laying here depressed because a partner left me? Am I laying here depressed because I feel like I failed at a job or feel like I failed with my children or in my marriage? What is it? What are the things that are running on a loop inside your head? What are they? I want you to get curious about those because most of the time we want to ignore what we're feeling. We start to feel unloved. We start to feel unworthy. And then we crawl into our shell. I like to call it a turtle shell. I told you I'm very visual. We crawl into our turtle shell and we don't come out. And now we're in there and it's dark and we're alone and we have no answers and we're not looking for answers. But when we're not looking for answers, all we're doing is keeping ourselves stuck. That's what we're doing. If your feelings of depression come seasonally, because there's something called seasonal depression, and seasonal depression can happen around the holidays, because sometimes some of our family members are a little difficult to deal with, or it can come around a birthday. Maybe one of us has lost a partner or something traumatic happened on our birthday. Maybe it comes around a date. Uh, someone passed away on a certain date. I know that every single year, well, I can't say every single year because my dad passed away on leap year, which is obviously crazy because that day only comes around once every four years. But every leap year, I feel like I need to be alone. I feel like I need to be in bed. I feel like I just need to think about him and not lose those memories because I'm Deep down inside, I'm so afraid of forgetting who he is. I'm afraid of forgetting his voice. And slowly, I mean, it's been a long time. He passed away when I was 19. I'm 37 now, and I will not do the math. But 
slowly I feel like he's fading away. So I like to use that day to just sit and talk about him. This year, we obviously did not have a leap year. It was March 1st. And as crazy as this sounds, I didn't really focus on the date because it wasn't the actual February 29th date. I looked at the calendar and thought, oh wow, today's really the day that my dad passed away. But because it didn't say 2:29, I was okay. So that can be seasonal. There are times in the year that we are just going to fall into a little bit of a spiral. I want you to get curious about that. I want you to think about when, when is the time? For me, I know that it's going to come on leap year. And luckily I have every four years, right? But also around his birthday. But I want you to get curious. If you know it's coming, get ready. Get some tools in place. Let's fill up our toolbox. What are we going to do? What coping skills are we going to use? A coping skill is taking a walk, making a phone call, drawing a picture. I mean, obviously this can be for kids, but I have a lot of you in my community who are artists. Um, writing some poetry, taking a trip. That's, those are coping skills. Listening to music. For me, I love to DJ music. I love to play music. I just get into my zen, my zone when I get to play with beats and mix in songs. I love doing that. We get in trouble when we utilize unhealthy coping skills. Unhealthy coping skills are ding, 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 drinking away our problems. I am saying that because that is what I do. That is what I have done. That is what most of us do. We go and get the shots of tequila ready. We go and get the cases of Coronas ready. We go and get our box wine. Okay, I'm giving away too much of myself, but those are unhealthy coping skills. Some of us will turn to drugs. Some of us will turn to um, self-mutilating. Oh my gosh, I have not used that word in so long. Um, some of my students as a school counselor would cut themselves. I have this tendency of picking at my cuticles. I do this when I'm, I am in anxiety. These are all unhealthy coping skills. So let's fill up our toolbox of healthy coping skills around the times that we know that depression is coming and it comes fast. I don't want you to be caught off guard. I would rather you be prepared. Now, as I wrap up that thought, I want to remind you again that I am not a therapist. I am not a psychiatrist and I am not a psychologist. My background is in mental health and I also serve you and I'm obsessed with helping you heal and grow. So I have a lot of knowledge based on this and my job for the longest was breaking it down to Barney. If your feelings of depression are so huge that you cannot move, that you are debilitated, that you are stuck to that bed, that thoughts of homicide ideation, suicide ideation, if these are things that you are thinking, please see someone immediately. Listen to that again. See someone as soon as possible before those thoughts spiral out of control. Because once we let that thought spiral out of control, it's going to keep on spiraling out of control. So let's do that. If this is what you are going through, do me a favor and hit the pause button. And if you're in an emergency, you know who you need to call. If not, start looking up resources in your area. 
Okay, we're moving on. We're moving on to anxiety. Anxiety. Here is the definition of anxiety. A feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Okay, imminent event. What in the heck are they talking about? Something that's coming. Imminent is just a big fancy word for something that is ahead, something that is coming, something that we are going towards. Okay, that is exactly what anxiety is. And what I want to remind you about anxiety, anxiety has some symptoms. And the most common symptoms, the ones that I feel and the ones that I see in you are, for me, chewing on my fingernails. When I'm feeling anxious, I automatically start to chew on my fingernails. If I do not go and get my nails done and keep my manicures on routine every two weeks, I spiral out of control and my poor hands look terrible. Right now, I have to go get my nails done tonight. That's, ex that's actually what I'm doing. Also, chewing on my cuticles. It's disgusting. I pick, at my I pick at my cuticles. These are some things that I do. It's such a bad habit, but I do this when I'm anxious. Another thing that you will feel when you're in anxiety is your heart starts to pound a little bit more. It starts to race. Your breath gets a little shorter and more shallow. You'll find yourself breathing kind of fast. You'll also find yourself holding your breath. You're going to find yourself um, keeping yourself busy. I know when I'm in anxiety, I am like frantically running around trying to clean my house, trying to wipe down counters when all I need to do is get in the car and drive to work because I'm late. And it's, it's a daily thing of catching those thoughts of saying, Dora, you are yesterday, you are in yesterday, or you are thinking about tomorrow, but you're not in the moment. And that is what we do when we are in anxiety. It's like, remember I'm visual, right? It's like a VCR tape in your head. And for those of you who do not know what a VCR tape is, bless your heart. I, that just goes to show you my true age. But a VCR tape is what we used to use in the old days to watch movies. We didn't just stream movies. Okay, I'm getting off topic. But that is what anxiety looks like. It's a tape in your head that keeps running over and over. It's playing on a loop. For my people who don't know what that is, it's like hitting repeat on the same song on Spotify over and over and over and over again. I know I'm emphasizing the over, but I really want you to visualize that because that's truly what your anxiety is. I don't know if you've ever seen a gerbil on a wheel, a hamster on a wheel. It's on that wheel, right? It's running and it's spinning. Is that hamster getting anywhere? It's doing something. It's busy as hell. It's running. But is that hamster getting anywhere? No, it's not. That is your brain. That is your anxiety. It's busy. And I want you to remember there's a difference between busy and productive. When you are in anxiety and you are replaying the same story that happened last week over and over and over again, you're just keeping yourself busy. You are not being productive. Some of the things that I like to do when I'm in anxiety is go back to the present moment. If you Google grounding work, you will see some of the techniques used. One simple thing that I like to do is I like to look at my phone. 
Like right now, I'm recording this podcast episode on my computer. And when I'm in anxiety, I will look at the time and I will look at the date. Today is Friday, March 11th at 6.58 a.m. I am not in yesterday's problem and I am not in next week's worry. I'm right here. Friday, March 11th, 6.58 a.m. This reminds me that I'm safe, that I'm present, and that I am not in that danger anymore. And I need to quit reliving what hurt me or quit thinking about what dangers might come. Please listen to that again. I hope that that helps you. Also, one thing that I learned in this really cool cool coaching program for coaches is if you close your eyes or you can leave them open depending on where you are. If you're driving, please don't close your eyes. If you grab your thumb and your forefinger and you put them together and you, it's kind of like making that okay sign. You put them together and you rub your forefinger and your thumb slowly, so slow that you can feel your fingerprints. So slow that you can feel your fingerprints. What you are doing is you are bringing yourself to the present moment. If you are in, if you are at work, if you are driving and you're feeling anxious, feel your toes in your shoes. Wiggle them around in your shoes. Count them in your head. Count your toes in your head. Those are simple little things that we can do, especially when we are busy, because anxiety can hit at any time. There's breath work. There's breathing in. And there's breathing out. We can do that five times. Uh, Dr. Oz is an incredible doctor, and I love the way he breaks things down to Barney. He talks about grabbing an ice cube and holding it in your hand. He says this helps because now we're focused on our hand freezing to death and we're not in our head, which is pretty funny and straightforward. There are different things that you can do. I'm going to leave those here for you to start with, but I want you to remember that anxiety is just a tape playing over and over on a loop. Just because you're worried, just because you're busy worrying, doesn't mean you're going to get anywhere. You worrying about something that's happening next week is not going to change the outcome of what happens next week. You reviewing that conversation in your head about what happened yesterday and the big fight that happened yesterday is not going to change the big fight that happened yesterday. Think about that. Stay present. Stay here with me. I want you to ground yourself. Remember who you are. We are going to make mistakes along this life. We are going to not always get it right. But do not beat yourself up. Do not beat yourself up worrying about the things that you cannot control, the things that have happened. I'm doing a lot of repeating right now because I hope that you hear this and I hope that you understand this. We all make mistakes. We are all going to show up in a way that we feel regretful. I do this almost every single day of my life, whether it's something small, whether it's me lashing out, whether it's me not communicating properly. There are times that I feel this way and it's part of being a human being. But like my amazing mentor and hero in my life who does not know I exist, but she will one day, Brene Brown says, we are here to get it right. 
we are not here to be right. Now I want to talk to you about what keeps us stuck in these depression cycles, these anxiety Ferris wheels. I want to talk to you about what keeps us stuck. And the answer is simple. Isolation. That simple. When we isolate ourselves, when we go into our shell, into our turtle shell, and we do not come out because we are afraid of what the outside world is going to think about, because we are afraid of how they will see us, we isolate. And when you isolate, you are alone. Listen to this again. You are alone with those thoughts in your head. Now that gerbil, that hamster on the wheel is spinning alone in your head and you have not shared it with anyone. Do not do this. We humans are the most selfish creatures on this planet. We are constantly thinking about ourselves. It's human nature. When you sit in your head and you think that you are the only person in this world with this problem, you are telling yourself the biggest lie of your life. There is someone out there somewhere with a problem identical to yours. You are not alone. This is something that you hear me talk about on Instagram all day long. You are not alone. Do not live in your head with those scary thoughts. You know what you're doing when you are living in your head with those scary thoughts? That is the perfect recipe for depression, for anxiety, for spiraling out of control. The perfect recipe for disaster, for self-sabotage, for unhappiness. Do not stay alone in your head. So many of us have these feelings. I know that I have been extremely intentional about saying what's on my mind. When there is a story in my head running on a loop, running on repeat, I will go and find my safe person. I have a few safe people in my life. I will go and find my safe person. And I will say, do you have time for me to vent right now? I just did this yesterday, which is why I'm using this example. Yesterday, I had my safe person at work. And I said, do you have the time for me to vent? And she said, of course I do. And she put everything down and she's like, let's talk. And I wanted to check in with her because the mistake that most of us make is we just go and dump our feelings on other people. That's called emotionally dumping. And that is not good for you. And that is not good for them. When we are dumping, we are not ready to hear what they have to say. We are just like mouth diarrhea, everything out. And we are not ready to hear because when we are honest with ourselves, we also need to be accountable for our actions. We are not responsible for the things that people do to us, but we are responsible for the way that we react. And we are in control of our own power. And when we give our power away and we blame others for how we feel, that does absolutely nothing for you because you are making an excuse and an excuse means you are not going to change it. Okay, so I went off a little bit on that soapbox. I'm going to come back. Finding your safe person, asking if they have time for you to vent, and stopping that tape, hitting pause, pulling that tape out of your head, and saying, this is what I'm feeling. 
And I just need to get these words out. If there is not a safe person in your life right now, look for a journal. I have never seen a journal that talks back. Write it down in your journal. If you don't have access to a journal, do you have a pet? Is there a pet in your house that you love and can sense you and feels your emotions? Go to your pet and have a conversation with your pet. It sounds ridiculous, but all that you are doing is getting that tape out of your head, letting it make its way out of your mouth by using your words and getting it out. That's all we're doing. This is how we combat some of these issues. Obviously, you know I've mentioned this before that I'm not a doctor or therapist. I am not talking about medication. I am not, I don't know anything about medication when it comes to this sort of thing. But if you feel like yours is a little deeper, you know, rewind the tape and go back to about six minutes ago where I share where you should go for that. All right. So isolation is the birthplace of all of these mental health disorders. So now the question becomes, how do we fix it? How do we fix it, Dora? What's the magical phrase? Like, what are you going to tell us? Why have I been sitting here with you for 15 minutes or however long this episode is? How are we going to fix this? You know what I'm going to tell you? Human connection. Finding your community. Finding your people. Sitting with someone else's pain. Not fixing what they are saying. Sometimes when people come to us, when they need to vent, when they need to get a story out, most of us jump into fix-it mode. We automatically want to advise them. We want to say, this is what I did. This is what you should do. I feel like you should do this. And this, my friends, is the ultimate way of breaking a friendship. This is the ultimate way of pushing away people. When someone comes to us in pain and we try to fix it, remember where you're trying to fix it from. We are trying to fix it from our own BS, our own belief systems. The lens that I wear of this world are a lens of a 37-year-old Mexican woman from, born from Mexican parents who immigrated from Mexico. That is my view of the world. Your view of the world is totally different from mine. So when I am talking to you, that's the lens that I am using. Some people don't always want advice. They don't want you to tell them what to do. You know what they want? They want you to sit with them, sit with their pain. And this is uncomfortable because we are trained to help, to fix. That's what we want to do. And silence can be a little uncomfortable. But sometimes that person who comes to you is just trying to stop the tape. That's it. Your job is to listen. Your job is not to try and understand it, not to advise it, just sit with it. I just received my new book from Brene Brown, and I, it's called Atlas of the Heart, Mapping Meaningful Connection and the Language of Human Experience. And I opened it up to page 116, and it just reminded me that I'm on the right track because, you know, the universe... So here's what it tells me. Here's what she tells us. Compassion is fueled by understanding and accepting that we are all made of strength and struggle. No one is immune to pain or suffering. Compassion is not a practice of better than or I can fix you. It's a practice based in the beauty and pain of shared 
humanity. That's it. That is the key. The key is to share. Share space with someone. Here's my challenge for you. The next time that someone comes to you, whether it be your child, your spouse, your friend, sit with them. Don't advise them. Just sit with them. What you are doing is you are building human connection. Have you ever gone to someone and you say, oh my gosh, look at this amazing news that I got. I got a raise. I got a promotion. I'm so excited. And then they say, oh yeah, me too. I got a raise yesterday and I got a promotion yesterday. What does that do to you? I know this has happened to you. What does that do? It robs you of your moment. It robs you of the feeling of wanting to share that with someone and building connection. And what do you do the next time that you have amazing news? Do you go to that person? No. That person is actually far away from your radar now. You know that you're not going to share with them. Because then it feels, it feels like it turns into a pissing contest of who is doing better than who. And we missed that connection. That is how we miss connections. When we get in our head and we try to say, well, me too, or we, we one-up others, we miss the ability to connect. So the next time someone comes to you, sit with them. Don't advise them. Sit with their pain. Sit with their happiness. Say, I'm proud of you. One thing that gets on my nerves is when people say, okay, no, let me reverse that. Say, I hope you're proud of yourself. The thing that really irks me is when people say, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you implies that they are doing it for us. They are not. They are doing it for them. So saying, I hope that you're proud of yourself is highlighting all of the times that they busted their ass to get to where they are. I hope you're proud of yourself. That's incredible. You're doing amazing. And then just sitting with them and letting them have that moment. Most of us, we just need that. We just need that small little moment, that little nugget to stop the tape, sit with ourselves, and be present. That's all we need. Most of us can figure out our own problems. We just need the space and the time to say it out loud. Once we say it out loud, we can work through it. That's the magic sauce right there. I hope that this helped you. I hope that you have a little bit more insight and I hope that you also realize that some people are not always as safe as we think they are. Does it mean that they are bad? No. But when you are sharing your pain, when you are sharing your triumphs with people and they take the moment away by making it about them, that can be dangerous. And I want you to take a look at that and Think about another safe person that you can have in your life. And if there is not a safe person right now, look in the mirror. You are your own safe person. You are not alone. You can do this. And keep going. Thank you so much for listening to episode number 17 of Not Another Fucking Podcast. I really enjoyed recording this episode for you. This is something that I've been wanting to talk to you for such a long time and I feel myself and my confidence growing. I've always had this like 
fear of not being good enough, of not being able to share um, depression and anxiety because I wasn't a licensed therapist, because I'm not a doctor, because I cannot diagnose you. But I do have a background in mental health and I do work with clients one-on-one and these things come up. So this really, this episode was me coming into my own, trusting myself and knowing that I'm in the right place with you. And so for that, thank you so much. I'm also so grateful for you. I say this every single week, but I'm not lying to you. I'm so grateful for you. Our community is continuing to grow on Instagram. That is where you can find me um, at Heart Our Minds. That is H-E-A-R-T-O-U-R-M-I-N-D-S. Or you can find me at Not Another Fucking Podcast. There are some major, major things happening this year for us. And I'm just excited to share on this journey with you. You are such a special community to me. And I know that we were meant to work together on this and meant to grow together. So thank you again. Please, oh, please also rate, review, and tell me all the things you like about the podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you don't like something, also let me know. This is for you. I am here to serve. I show up every Friday for you. So until then, I will see you next week.